that's no moon. It's a space station. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Just a quick reminder that the early bird sale for our conference ends tomorrow night at midnight at the end of the day on Black Friday. Take advantage of that. All of the in-person early bird passes come with a free t-shirt and you can just select your size at checkout, pick your t-shirt up at the door. Rebels of Disclosure 2024. All the information for that event, by the way, is in the description below, uh, rebelsofdisclosure.com. And the live stream passes are discounted as well until tomorrow at midnight for only $77. So take advantage of that if you haven't already. We can't wait to see you guys all there. And Hopewell Farm CBD, if you guys are looking to try a new CBD, as always, I highly recommend their product. It's incredible. And they have a sale going on through December 3rd, a Black Friday sale as well for 15% off all their products with promo code JTTTHANKS. That promo code and link is below in the description as well. So take advantage of that. Um, tonight, we are excited to have Margie K back with us. We interviewed her a couple months ago, I guess. It wasn't even a full year ago. And uh, we covered some of her story that she's told before. But I was just at a conference with her in Springfield, Missouri, XCon. And we were all sitting at lunch. And she starts telling us about these these three months of missing time that she's had in the military and this entire story i'm like this sounds like a secret space program military abduction story and it turns out that it might be and there's a lot of stuff coming through and margie's never actually spoken about this publicly before so we're excited to get into well me personally i'm excited to get into this and hear what she has to say and what's coming through but uh thank you for deciding to come forward and talk about this stuff because i think it's time yeah, I, I think it's time to. I, I think there's enough hidden agenda going on behind the scenes, and it's time to get everything out to the open. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I didn't realize that you actually had a whole story where you were essentially forced into the military, and that's when all this stuff happened. And That's what you were telling us at lunch. So if you want to just let our audience know how that all played out and how that happened and I think the recruiter was even like they couldn't get to you, so they got to your mom. Like, can you tell that story? Yeah, it's it, it's pretty bizarre. It actually started when I was in tenth grade in Springfield, Missouri, going to high school there, and they gave us a, some type of an aptitude test, you know, two or three hour test, and then when it's over, you go in and talk to the counselor, and the counselor called me in and he says. Well, you you scored really high on this test, and he said you show a, a really good aptitude for engineering. Well, that wasn't surprising because both my grandfathers were engineers, and both of my great grandfathers were engineers. So you know maybe that was in the DNA. But I had no interest in it at that time. All I wanted to do was play my bass and play music and and acting and things like that. I really wasn't interested in anything like that. But he forced me to take uh, the only class that was available, which was an electricity class. And of course, there were only guys in that class at that time. Girls didn't take stuff like that then. 
And uh, I felt very out of place, but I really, I really ended up enjoying the class and learning a lot. And so it, it was kind of fun. But then the next strange thing that happened was uh, I, my junior year, then we had moved to North Kansas City, Missouri, went to North Kansas City High School. They gave us another aptitude test and uh, the counselor called me in and he said, you know, you really scored high on this test. I think you should think about joining ROTC. And I was like, what? This is a military thing. You know, I had no interest in that whatsoever. Well, my mother actually tried to talk me into it as well. They called her, I guess. And I I just refused. I said, no, I've got too much going on. I'm playing in every band there is, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing music. I'm going to be a professional musician and that's it. So they dropped it. And then my senior year, uh, I came home one day. I was 17 years old, came home, and here is this military guy sitting on a chair in the living room with my mother. And she introduces me, and I'm like, what is going on here? And he said, well, we would really like for you to join the um Army Reserves. And I said, why is that? And he says, well, because of your test scores. And that's basically what he said. And and I said, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm a musician and, and I'm not interested in, in military. Well, the guy came back two more times and my mother was very insistent about me joining and, you know, they told me all the benefits about how I could go to college at Warrensburg. I could just go to, you know, one weekend a month and go to uh, the meetings and then two weeks out of the year, go to camp somewhere. I said, OK, and I w- would earn extra money. So I finally gave in and and joined. And but but then things got a little strange. I was only allowed, and I would report to this place on Gay Street in Warrensburg, that that was the National Guard. Well, first I was in the Army Reserves in Kansas City, and then I had, I transferred to the National Guard in Warrensburg, because that's where I was going to school. Really quick before you move on. So when you said, like, it, I just think it's peculiar that your mother was so insistent as well. Like, what, what do you think they, what conversations do you think were going on for her to be pressing as well? Right, right. Um, I think it had something to do with my psychic abilities, actually. Looking back on it now, it was not only my test scores, but it was my psychic abilities. Because, I mean, the whole family knew about that, obviously. And uh, But there were some strange things about both my mother and my father that now uh, I wish they were still around so we could ask some questions about it. But it was very odd. When I was 17, my mother divorced my father, and that's why we moved to Kansas City. The first job she went to apply for was at the federal building. So she was taking that GSA test or whatever that is. Um, and I waited there. She had me go with her, which I thought was strange. And I drove her down there, and I waited in the lobby. She came down after about four hours, and I said, so how did it go? She goes, oh, I only scored... Uh, at G15 level. And so I thought that was a really low thing. She wasn't interested, so we left. I found out much later, that's FBI level. Hmm. 
Well, she worked at Tension Envelope, downtown Kansas City, close to the federal building. And oddly enough, another person that I became acquainted with later with the uh, with an experiencers group here in Kansas City, worked at Tension Envelope with my mother, knew her, but he said there were multiple UFO sightings right around that building. And he had hundreds of photos of UFOs around that particular building. You know, which... <laughs> you know what's interesting? So my grandfather, my dad's father, was uh, worked for Tension Envelope, and he was also in the National Guard. I just, I it's, no, yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know which location where he worked exactly. I don't know if it was Kansas City, but still, just you know, I find it interesting, ironic. Well, that building was strange, uh, and it was owned by the mayor of Kansas City. Anyway, yeah, okay. Well, that just adds to the strange coincidences, right? Yep. Um, and my father also had strange things happen. He used to work for Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, here's the thing about my dad. Um, he had a super high IQ. He was a genius. Um, and why he was a salesman for Encyclopedia Britannica is beyond my comprehension. But he told us several stories. And one of them was when he went down to the basement of the building one day, there was a door that was always locked and it was never marked. He never asked a question about it because, well, his bosses were mafia okay and really? he'd also seen cia and mafia meetings in that building in the basement mm. <laughs> okay i'm probably going to get in a lot of trouble for talking about this but he said one day he he walks through the hall down there in the basement and the doors open and he looked in there and here's a military man in a military uniform watching about a hundred television sets that were on the walls. This is 1968. Wow. And the guy says to him, hey, come on in. You want to see this? Well, you don't have somebody who doesn't know anything, who's not connected with military, come in and watch a military operation. That just yeah. doesn't make any sense. No. And so he, my dad looks at these TVs on the wall, and he's like, what is this? This is just people walking around doing their business, you know, everyday stuff. And he says, oh, we have cameras in every single television set that's sold. So when we need to keep an eye on someone, we can just dial into that set. 1968. Now, we know that's happening now right. with our smart yeah. TVs. But back then? Yeah, that's why. Anyway, that yeah. and, they, and they gave him this secret information that shouldn't be disseminated to the public. Uh Back then. Anyway, so I I have reason to believe that my dad and my mother were both involved somehow with government. Yeah. And then they both could keep a secret. So they were very secretive about it. But anyway, there had to be a reason why they wanted me. And I think it was because of my psychic abilities. So uh, the thing is that I was going to every month go to this building, the National Guard building. But I don't remember anything other than going down the hall, going into the office, and they kept me out of the main area. They did not let me do maneuvers or anything with the guys. The guys were 300 men and me, one woman. They kept me in the office, I think, to keep stay away from the guys. But 
I don't remember anything about anything I did there. I don't remember my work. I don't remember what I did. I was just know that I was there for two days out of the month and then I'm going to go home. But then I would also have really weird things happen like very lucid dreams, uh, sleepwalking quite a bit, talking in my sleep. My husband would find me outside sometimes and then have to bring me back inside and wake me up. Um, And I would always wake up dead tired in the morning, just exhausted, like I had been working all night. Well, I just attributed that to being a, a, you know, mother of two young children and, um, and also working and, you know, just everyday life stuff. I just attributed it to that. And then quite some time later, I started having instant recall of being in classes I didn't remember taking, um, of having uh, flying lessons and learning about how planes work and mechanics, just all kinds of things on on every subject that you can imagine. And I actually remember leaving the planet to go to another planet for instruction to go in a classroom starting at age nine. So I had started having instant recall of things like that and connections with military that I couldn't explain. But about six years ago, this man came to me actually uh, through another person and she recommended that he talk to me. He had come to realize that he had been involved in the secret space program. And he had obtained his military file, which was like an inch and a half or two inches thick, brought it to me to look at. And he said, he just started showing me pages and pages of these certifications that he had, that he had no recall of taking any classes in those things. And here he had all of this, you know, Morse code, whatever, all these certifications. And the only way he was able to obtain those files was with the help of Ike Skelton our representative here in Missouri. Okay. And it took quite some time to get this. Well, he asked me to remote view because he had, you know, he didn't have the whole story and he wanted me to remote view it to see what I saw. So the very first time I remote viewed this, I saw he and I sitting in a classroom at Whiteman Air Force Base at night. It was dark outside. There were windows and I could see it was dark. And there was a really tall Russian man who came in to speak, to teach a class. And there were a male and female uh, military people standing watching the classroom. And there were several of us there. There were at least 15, 20 people sitting in that classroom. And I, I said, Oh my gosh. And I got out of that and I said, you're not going to believe this. And I told him what, what I saw. Well, we looked at our timing. Well, his that time for him was 1978. This was two years after I was officially out of the military, discharged. Wow. Well, but I was living right there. So I could easily have left at night, gone to work at Whiteman, come back home and not known it. And I've since found out that that's how things work, yep. that that's one of the ways uh, that they work, that they actually use people at night to work. And they're not paying them extra. But um, basically, once you sign up for any branch of the military, they own you. 
for life. They can recall you to active duty anytime, um, like they did to Jesse Marcel. Uh, He was he was old uh, Mm -hmm. when they recalled him and he was flying helicopters. Um, And who knows what. I mean, you know, I used to think this was a conspiracy theory, but now seeing this myself, I start to think, I wonder if that's what happened to me. I wonder if I was involved in that. So I actually stopped by that the the recruiting center in Warrensburg and asked him for my records. And they said, no, we, we don't have them here, but here's where you go. Gave me the information and I requested my records. Well, I got a letter and one piece of paper. And then one piece of paper was me signing up. And that's it. And in the letter, it said, the rest of your record is at the Pentagon and it's inaccessible. Wow. So I'm just wow. putting two and two together here and realizing that, yeah, I was likely involved in that. So, well, really quick, go ahead. Uh, you mentioned noticing a physical change. Like at the end of your time, you said you were like more in shape. You like, you had like, uh, you just physically looked like you had been working out and doing manual labor and things of that nature, but you don't remember it, but you do remember looking different. Oh yeah. Uh, when I went to boot camp, this was in the summer of 1975 in May, I was uh, only supposed to be gone two weeks because at that time, if you were in the reserves of the guard, you only had a two week basic training. Now they have six weeks or eight, but uh, it was only two. And so I went through all of this and I have recollection of a number of classes that I thought were too advanced uh, for what we were doing. You know, it just seemed like it. And then we pack up two weeks are over, go home, get off the plane. My family didn't even recognize me. I was tan. I was very toned, uh, strong, healthy. And, uh, and they just, they were just like, wow, well, we're driving home. And my mother says, oh, we're going to have to get you some clothes for college because it starts in, uh, you know, I don't know. It was like a week before college started. And I'm like, what, how is that possible? I just left two weeks ago and it was May and nobody said anything and nobody thought that was weird. And we just never discussed it. But I had three months of missing time and I have no idea where I was or what was going on. I assume I was at boot camp in Mobile, Alabama, but uh, yeah, it, all those memories are wiped. Wow. That wow. Th- that's very telling just to have like, we, we, under, we hear this a lot, you know, um, just like this whole missing time aspect of the only other person who we've interviewed that has said specifically three months of missing time is Niara Isley. She's uh, uh, was in the Air Force and she was taken kind of a very similar story. She she realized after the fact that there was three months she couldn't remember. And mm-hmm. I think she got a lot of her memories back, maybe through hypnosis. I'm not sure, but her memories weren't great. You know, uh, she was terrified because she said she hasn't she has an extremely good memory. And she knew for a fact, there's, there's no way she would just not remember a whole three month chunk of time. She's like, there's just no way. And so when she was, um, 
she was going through her memories um with somebody and she got to that point she she got really scared all of a sudden because she's like oh my god i can't remember a whole this whole three month section here um and then when she she was regressed and got her memories back then it was all this secretive stuff and she went to the moon and and you know all the rest of it um but it was horror her experience was horrific it was one of the really dark things unfortunately and unfortunately a lot of these are um so it's almost like not everyone's um prepared to get those memories back because it can be very traumatic extremely traumatic right Um, so so what has that been like well, where were you going next with the story, if you remember before? I, yeah. Well, I was good. I was going to mention the second remote viewing I did for this other gentleman. And, okay. you know, after I figured out we were involved in this together. um, And this one was wild. I was once again at night at the Air Force Base, standing outside a, a very large building. And to my left was the commander, and to the left of him were a lot of brass that had been flown in to watch this event. And I had a clipboard. It was my job to tell the people coming out, the soldiers coming out, they were in uniform, and they each had a really huge duffel bag that they were carrying. And they would come out of the building, and I would tell them which craft to get into. Now, the craft were two landed vehicles with their back ends facing in, but they were at an angle. So it was like kind of like a triangle in front of us. And they were each at one of those triangles on this big tarmac. The back end was open and it was a ramp to walk up into. And it was kind of squared off in the back. And I'd never seen vehicles like this before. And they would, the the men walked in. I think it was all men. There might've been one woman that went. And so they loaded up these vehicles, closed up the back end, and they took off. It, and they both took off at in the different directions, going out to the main tarmac. And I knew somehow that these vehicles were flying directly to the moon, and that from the moon, then they would get to Mars. But they were using a wormhole. And they would get there in a matter of minutes and Mm. do service time there that, you know, there's a base on Mars and they're, they're doing work there. I don't know how I know that. I just knew it. And so I did not see myself going there. I just was helping other people, uh, you know, get to the right place. So then the other thing is, that I'm having memories now and just recently of being in a remote viewing program and being trained to spy on people and to hurt people and mm-hmm. probably take out bad guys, whoever whoever those might be. And it explains some of my very strange abilities. Right. One of them being... um. I found out a few years ago, I, I killed a fish. It, he was an angel fish that I put in my fish tank. I had a saltwater tank and I had some of those clown fish and things in it. And the, w- when I went to the fish place to get something else, because I had this huge tank, with only a couple of fish in it. And uh, he said, Oh, that, that fish will get along with all the other ones. 
well, that's a that's a total lie because angelfish, you know, will attack things. Well, the angelfish attacked and killed my other fish and ate them. And I was mad. I was just really, really angry about that. And I just pointed at that fish and I said, you're dead. When we and my husband was there, too. When we got home, that fish was floating on the top of the tank. And my husband looks at me and says, "Uh oh, you're going to have to be careful about what you're thinking, what you're doing. And we kind of joked, laughed it off. And then not long after that, my daughter, who's my bookkeeper and my secretary, played a really bad April Fool's joke on me. And and I was I was mad at both of them. And I have this little thing I do with my with my fingers and I, I just go, you know, like. Yeah, they're being electrocuted or something. Yeah. Right. Just funny. I yeah. did that to both of them. They both instantly got sick. Mm. And they had to even be off work for the whole next day because they were sick. And so then I'm realizing, oh, maybe this is real. Maybe I really need to be careful about what I'm thinking and doing and where I'm pointing. And um, so and then, of course, you know about my remote viewing ability and my psychic abilities, which, you know, right. I've had some assistance with that. I know Valiant Thor has been involved, but I, but now I know that I have received training, military training to do that. And I don't know the whole story. I, you know, I don't know if I want to know the whole story, um, but I know that there has been some involvement there and it just, it's very disturbing. Yeah. I mean, so yes. the guy you were remote viewing for, does he have abilities too? Does he have a what? Abilities as well, like you do, like psychic no. abilities? No. No. So I I didn't know because you remembered being like in classes with him. Was he? We were in a class. Yeah. Okay. But I think it was more of a technical class. I was a Russian teaching it. Um, and of course, the Russians are known for their psychic work. But no, this guy doesn't have any psychic abilities. So the craft that you saw going to the moon, would they resemble like the TR-3Bs at all? The Black Triangle craft or was it something different? Uh, no, no, they didn't. Uh, they were had a very wide rectangular back and then a a pointed front, but it was curved at the front. It's more like a nose cone of a plane and very, very short wings uh, on the sides. And it was tall as well. Interesting. It looked more like a space shuttle kind of type thing, but not exactly. Really? And they were dark gray. And Yeah. And, and so, and with Tom, which Air Force Base or what base was this? Whiteman Air Force Base. Whiteman. And 10 miles you, from Warrensburg. Okay. Uh, do you recall seeing any ETs and any of the remote viewing and memories working with the military on Earth or, or not? I'm, no, I, I, I don't doubt the connection, but I have not seen any yet. I mean, that's something that I really, I probably should be regressed. Um, and I should probably remote view some more of that too, to get more detail. But I haven't even wanted to pursue getting my records because I'm kind of afraid to look at them. Well, yeah, because if you have documentation from the government that's being that's inaccessible at the Pentagon that says a your it has a whole history about your time in the military, all of your records that you don't remember, I mean that's that's not easy to 
look at and recognize and realize that wow like why don't i remember this you know so not every like aaron said earlier not everyone's really ready for that but i mean there's no doubt with your family's involvement and didn't you tell i think you said last time and maybe even in some of your presentations about overhearing the conversation with your father about um that one building which i can't remember the name of but being oh. used as a communication tower for extraterrestrials yeah, yeah. That is the RLDS temple, which is now called the Community of Christ Temple in Independence, Missouri. It's in 1968. Again, my father came home one day and he said he had just had dinner with the elders of the church and they were talking about something very strange. Well, he knew I had an interest in UFOs. So he told me and the whole family that they were talking about how could they build a structure where they could hide really tall antenna and that nobody would know, so nobody would know what it was. And the purpose of it was to communicate with extraterrestrials. And we all said, oh, that's nuts. That's crazy. We didn't believe it at all. Well, I left town and I moved to Seattle in um, 1985 and I came back in 1986 and uh, my fiance said, you need to find us a house because he was busy working. And so I looked something up and I found a house in Independence and I was headed to go look at it, driving down Lexington near downtown Independence. And here is this building that I've never seen before. It's a spiral shape. It's made out of steel. It looks like an uh, the inside of a um, a seashell. And I mean, it's it's up there. It's at least 300 feet. And then there's a tall antenna on top of it. And I said, oh, my gosh, they did it. They hit an antenna in there. And the reason I knew that is because uh, just before that. No, it wasn't just before that. No, this is later. Um, I worked at a radio station in Liberty and I got to know the owner. And I said one day, uh how is it that your station is broadcast so far out, so far away, like some of these big 10,000 watt stations or 100,000 watt stations? He says, oh, I have a secret. He said, I have my antenna buried in a spiral shape under, under the ground. So his radio tower is not just 300, 400 feet. It's like a thousand feet of, of antenna. And so that just kind of confirmed what I was looking at. Um, and then a really strange thing happened on my way home one day. I had a shop on the square and my daughter worked for me at the time. And a, st a storm came in with these weird clouds and we were uh, wrapping up, leaving. Well, she left before I did. And then, and she called me back right away because this road is like a block away from where my office was. And she said, you got to take a look at these clouds. This is crazy. They're almost down to the ground. Never seen anything like it. So I, I get out and I see these clouds that are very, very low. But over the temple, there's a cloud that comes down in this just perfect U shape, covering up the whole front of it down to 20 feet off the ground. Well, in Kansas City, Missouri, our clouds do not get that low. They right. never get that low. Yeah. So I knew something was up. It There was a weird lightning. You could see, but you couldn't hear anything. There was no thunder. There was no rain. 
So I get my cell phone and I manage to get a couple of shots off as this cloud is going up. Now it it stopped so that it's still covering the antenna up. And then this beam of light appeared. It was going up from the antenna about a 30 degree angle. And I thought, what the heck is that? When this voice comes in my head and it says, I am Commander Thor and you are now watching a communication from our craft to the people in the sub-basement of that building. And I was, first of all, shocked that Thor was talking to me again. I didn't know he was Commander Thor. At that time, I had no idea who he really was. I wouldn't right. find out till later it was Valiant Thor. And so it confirmed what my father said about them using an antenna like that to, con to talk with extraterrestrials. So I knew two things. There was a sub-basement of the building, and I sh was shown a picture of it. There were all kinds of dials and knobs on the walls that looked old, they, you know, like, like from the 70s. And they were ha somehow translating what was being said and then telling there was one man sitting there, and then he was talking to people behind him, to people behind him, telling him what was being said. So... <laughs> This isn't yeah. this isn't the same building where your father saw the TVs. That was a different... no. That was the Encyclopedia Britannica building in on the plaza in Kansas City. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this proves that there's there's more going on underground underneath a lot of these buildings than people know about. Because both of those cases, it's it was something underneath that was secretive that and, people don't know about. And it's not like these are secret there are secret facilities on a military base. It, these right. are normal ordinary buildings that just go underground that the public people would never suspect to. there's anything like that going no, on. Not like a the military. public would they would never know that there's all kinds of tunnels going underneath the plaza going to different buildings and mm. that people from the mafia and the CIA go to those buildings and then they go in the tunnels and they meet at this one place or that Encyclopedia Britannica is a front for the mafia. Mm. I mean, nobody, you know, I've never told anybody this. It, 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 at least it used to be, I don't know if it is now, but um, yeah, that there's stuff going on around us all the time that nobody is aware of. Right. And, oh, yeah. and ju just the fact that, your father was even involved in that somehow. Like you said, he was a genius. You know, he had this high IQ, but he wasn't involved in the military officially, right? Mm -mm. So nope. I mean, and and I don't. That answers the question, in my opinion, that you don't have to be in the military to be involved in these programs. Like the military makes it easy for them to own you, right? Like you said, and it probably gives them easier access to you. But if they need you for whatever reason. They'll find a way. And who knows, like some of these companies, like maybe the company like Tension Envelope or something, a lot of them are like shell companies that, that actually are, like you said, they're a front for something much deeper. And then certain employees within that company will be like fast tracked through to through promotions into like a higher position where they'll be introduced to somebody and like, hey, you know, this isn't really Tension Envelope. This is actually a CIA hub, you know, uh, site B or something, you know. So, yeah, or or UFO Central for downtown Kansas City uh, with all the UFO sightings there. 
Yeah. It's, right. it's just crazy. Right. I mean, what you've done, you've written books on that. I mean, it's it's quite the hot spot. Yeah. And in, in Missouri in Missouri general. Missouri in general. I was just gonna yeah. say Missouri in general is tons. It's crazy. Missouri in general is a very strange place. We have a little bit of everything here. Yeah. Uh and, I mean, we've got Skinwalker Ranch. We've got the Marley Woods, which is worse than the Skinwalker Ranch. And now I have a new place that's just north of Kansas City that I'm investigating that is another Skinwalker Ranch. There's everything there. There's uh, UFOs, Bigfoot, uh, orbs, giants, and gigantic birds that are transparent, but you can still see them, that come out of a portal and then fly around and go back into the portal. And the strangest part of it is a spinning vortex that starts on the ground and there's a bunch of light to go around in a circle. And I've seen the video on this. And then you see this vortex that looks like a tornado. It's gigantic, absolutely massive on film. I don't think there's anything like it in existence that anybody has made public. And hopefully I will be able to, to go public with this pretty soon. But it's crazy, and it's in a very remote area, and there's nothing going on there. There's no fault lines there. Uh, there is a river, so uh, you know I've noticed a correlation with water with a lot of these things, mm-hmm. uh, and that could be that could be it. But you know there just isn't anything geological that would contribute to it, like crystals or something like that. It's just limestone. Um, yeah, yeah, it's odd. Missouri's a weird place. So have you considered connecting with Thor and asking about the, your time in the programs or your missing time? Do you think he would be able to help you with that? Well, he might, I I can ask him. Yeah. I haven't done it yet. Kind of because I don't want to know hundred percent, but, but yeah, I, I, I think I probably will. That's a good idea. So you, your mother and father, you think, were involved in some level. Do you have any siblings, and do you think they might be involved? Well, uh, funny you should ask. I have two siblings. I don't believe that my sister is involved in anything. But my brother, who's five years younger than me, has had some very, very strange things happen, and he was in the Navy. Oh. And then he got discharged because he, he was injured uh some very very heavy pipes fell on his back and it it was odd anyway um he just recently had some very strange things happen where he had a lucid dream about fighting in israel Mm. and then he woke up with injuries with knife wounds and his wife is a nurse and took care of it but there was no way that in his sleep, in his bed, that he could have received those physical injuries. Mm-hmm. So he's he's thinking, he, he said that it was 100% real. He was there. And mm-hmm. so I remote viewed it for him. And what I saw was a portal opening in his closet, a man in military uniform, come in and get him, take him through the portal, and then bring him back later. He's... I mean, this we hear about people being used for single one night missions, right? Uh, this is Charles Hall, the tall white, the guy who discloses the tall whites. Aaron, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's a documentary. Oh, yeah. and I, was like, 
I, I forgot what Air Force Base he was stationed at somewhere in the Southwest. And he, he claimed the same thing. He actually, he had memory of it though, but he was being taken nightly to do exactly things like you were talking about earlier, Margie, to go like work essentially. And then he'd yeah. be put, put back and then you're exhausted in the morning and, and all that. So I, I just wonder how many people this is happening to. You know, and and what does that mean if somebody is being taken out of their bed through a portal to go fight a war right now? I know uh, David Ike talks about this super soldier technology that we have that can uh, a super soldier can basically just manifest behind enemy lines. They don't even have to get through. They can just infiltrate a facility by dematerializing and materializing in in whatever location. Yeah, uh, he he just had too much detail about that situation for it to be anything other than real. I mean, he described the uniforms, the people, the, the he was fighting with an Israeli and, and another American. The three of them were together. They got blown back by a blast nearby. Um, and in, in fact, he just went to the hospital with an injury to his shoulder that is unexplained. It happened within a few hours after his return. He noticed this. And they still don't have it fixed. They ha they haven't even identified what the problem is, and he can't move his arm. This is currently. Yes, right. That's going on right now. Wow. So, your brother. We were talking about this before uh, we went on air here. We just at the conference, he experienced a very strange uh, paranormal event where he also received an injury. And would you like to tell that story again, just for the audience? Well, sure. Um, we had XCON at the Oasis Hotel in Springfield, Missouri. And going into it, I had no idea it was haunted. But people started from the first day of the conference saying they were seeing shadow people and things on the ceiling, things like that. Well, by the uh, third day, we were we were actually just packing up, getting ready to leave. And, and uh, my brother and your dad were folding up boxes to go into the recycling there and my brother just all of a sudden dropped what he had in his hand and he grabbed his face and he said he saw a spear coming at him that looked like an, a very old-fashioned type of spear and he just turned his head to avoid it because it looked like it was going to hit his eye and it just it hit right underneath his eye and was very painful he said it felt like a knife going into the bone and and there he had this big old welt and your dad saw it as well. I took a picture of it and strangely, and he's never, he's never told me of anything like that happening before. Mm -hmm. uh, but oddly the next morning, my husband and brother and I were each driving separate vehicles. We needed to get theirs gassed up. So we stopped right across the street from the hotel and <laughs> They were getting gas and I didn't need gas. So I pulled up a little bit away and I see this guy jogging with a spear coming around the corner, headed right into the gas station. It was like a seven foot long spear with this point. It had been carved. It was out of, made out of wood. And we thought, what are the chances of something like that happening? You never see that. Never. You never see it. Yeah. Um yeah, and then so then I found out that that hotel is very haunted, and I and I asked some of the staff, and they go, "Oh yeah," and the hotel next to it that they also own is the Campus Hotel, and it's famously haunted. 
but those spirits come over to this other hotel. And I said, no, nah, there's more than that going on there. There's a lot more going on. So, I yeah. Just, I just think it's interesting that he had the wealth, the physical wealth yeah. from like an etheric, like an invisible spirit, right? Like, so it's almost yeah. makes you wonder how, how that, what's going on there? You know, who was throwing the spear? I mean, well, I don't know. Energy manifests physically. So that's why when there's something wrong in your energetic body, it, it always manifests as a physical right. disease or ailment. Yeah. So it's the same concept. Yeah. Mystery solved. <laughs> yeah. Thank You're you, right. Eric. I mean, yeah. I mean, generally, yeah. you know, that's that's how I understand it is that whatever that was, it it affected his some kind of his either his energy body or his astral body or one of those. And then it manifested as a welt and the exact spot that it hit him. I mean, that's mm -hmm. not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. But, so, you know, you know all about that, Archie. I know. So oh, yeah. if you want to elaborate. Well, no, you're you're right on, Aaron. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Good to know. And and there was also the Mothman activity at the event, which uh, during your during Margie's presentation, uh, her computer, her slideshow just quit quit responding. It quit working, and I don't remember what the issue was, but it was like unresolvable. I was up there on stage trying to figure it out, and then this other girl. Well, I'll let you tell the story, Margie. Well, as I was talking about mothman which and this happens ever since i got involved in Mothman and doing cases in kansas city and finding out how many mothman sightings there are um i now have sort of an attachment to it and i know when it's around and if i'm talking about it 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 usually comes around so i'm talking about it on the stage and then i felt its presence back to my left behind me and i could i could see it remote viewing it it's about seven feet tall wings all black and just standing there not doing anything well one of the gals in the audience uh, well several people saw it but one of them was michelle roos she had done a talk on demonology and she came up to me she goes margie there's a mothman standing behind you i go yeah i know so she has this spray that she created to dispel negative energy and she sprayed the area and then all of our electronics uh the the started working again right instantly almost as yeah, yeah. instant right. instantly started working again also not so yeah, yeah after i was done talking um i could feel that it was still there behind me or with me it was walking with me and um eric with uh what's Hope the well. name of the cbd Hopewell farm Hopewell farm. Hope yeah. farm yes 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 uh, he, he creates his own CBD and, and, and I like what he does. He's, he sends good energy to the plants while they're growing. And then while he's creating the product, well, anyway, he gave me a dose of that. He came over and gave me a dose and then he walked back. And then I suddenly realized I needed to talk to him about something. So I start walking across the room. I can still feel the mothman behind me, but now it starts to move. It goes behind me to the right. And then I just flung my arm. And it took off towards the kitchen and I never saw it again. And I think what happened was the vibration of the CBD and, and also Michelle had sprayed me with her spray. I think that that combination of that high vibration made it leave. It couldn't stand to be around that. Yeah. A very interesting. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
You know, yeah, Eric, I love that's one of the reasons we're affiliated with Hopewell Farm because of the, that exact reason, you know, them setting the intention in, you know, talking, sending positive energy into the plants. And then the whole process, it's all very spiritual, does, I guess. You he could does say. everything right with making the CBD. Right. And that's why it's some of the best CBD. Yeah, because he does things like that. Yeah. So yeah. that's interesting. I never really thought about it, like raising your vibe so the negative entities would actually stay away. Um, because a lot, a lot of times CBD or marijuana or any of these, you know, any, anything like that can be labeled as something that would bring in negative energy, but we don't really mm -hmm. think about it having the opposite effect if it's done, if it's grown ethically, right? Yeah, I, I think he's going to have to, I'm going to have to talk to him about starting a, a new line of anti-Mothman CBD. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it raises your uh, energy level, your vibration. That's amazing. Entity protection CBD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anti-Mothman's better, though. Anti-Mothman's anti yeah. better. Um, <laughs> I'm going to copyright that real quick before I call him. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, you need to copyright that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's so that's an incredible story about the whole the Secret Space Program stuff, if that's really what it was but technically that's what it would be a space program operating in secrecy right mm -hmm. uh is there anything else that you'd like to share with us you know surrounding that whole uh you know revelation that you were involved well i i think it's kind of strange how it's taken so many years for all this information to unfold and if i had known early on <laughs> i would have I would have been able to ask questions and take notes and keep records and things like that. Uh, but as it is, all I have is that one letter showing me joining and the letter confirming I was in um, and that my records are not accessible. And I've got a raincoat and a patch. And that's all the proof that I have that I was actually there. Uh, but then, you know, like I said, I was out in 1976. Obviously, I was still doing something in 1978, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure what happened. And I I want to uncover the rest of it. Um, I think it's time. I, and I I really want to know what happened. Yeah, I don't think yeah, it's I've just any... been afraid up till now. It, well, understandably, uh, well, and it's interesting. You know, you didn't even decide to tell that story until like, at lunch until you heard someone else telling the story and that's what happens you you're not really comfortable until you start hearing other people talking about it you're like oh wait like like they're saying it out loud and other people are receiving it well so they'll they won't think i'm crazy and mm -hmm. you felt comfortable to share that story and i just you remember at know, so you at least know there's an audience that will hear it and will believe believe you right because a lot of times people yeah. kind of will just think no one no one's going to believe this so i might as well just not why would i share it everyone's just gonna think i'm crazy or it's going to negatively impact my life. Right. Well, if they know there's an audience that they can share it with and uh, we'll be like, oh, wow, that's, you know, believe it. Right. Um, so, yeah, the more of us that can share these things, the better, the more we'll enable everyone else to share. And then it just snowballs, you know, so that's right. why this is so important. I just remember sitting there at that lunch table. You know, I was caught off guard when you started telling that story because that's right up my alley. Like I'm always researching the secret space program. It's one of my favorite topics. And I just wish that there was like a record button that I could have hit at that lunch table. <laughs> I wanted to interview you on the spot, you know, because I was hearing all this stuff <laughs> yeah. and I just wasn't expecting it. And, yeah. 
And uh, just the fact that they were so pushy about trying to get you into the military, the where the recruiter showed up to your house three different times, actually got your mom to try to convince you. Um, I mean, I wonder, like, had would it, if you hadn't signed up, if they would have just used you anyway. Um, you know, who knows what that would have looked like. I don't know, but I do know that my mom was very secretive about a lot of things, including the fact that she was also psychic. Um, and I didn't find that out until I was like 15 or 16 years old. We had we lived in a house that was very haunted in Springfield. And there were kinds of happened and, and scary things happened. And she never said anything about seeing that stuff. She would listen to me, but that was it. And then when we moved to Kansas City, we're sitting at the dinner table one night, and I said, "I said, do you remember those faces in the walls? Did you, did, you know?" I, I said, "I remember seeing those faces. I wish other people had seen them." And she says, "Oh yeah, I saw them." I said, "What?" She goes, "Yeah, I saw them too, but I just didn't want you to be scared. I didn't want to validate what you were seeing to make you think about it and worry you." So I've, I'm like, okay, she was psychic. She absolutely was. And then she would exhibit that, but she wouldn't talk about it. She wouldn't say the word I'm psychic. You know, she would just say, I just know this, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I know this is going to happen or whatever. So obviously I think I got some, you know, DNA from both sides of the family. um, I'm having these abilities and then a boost from Thor, but that boost didn't come until 1986 from Thor. So, you know, I already had certain abilities. She was always very secretive, though. She could easily have been in the FBI at the same time, saying she's going to work a tension envelope, having me come down two or three times a year to have lunch with her there. But she's not really working there. She's at the other place. I don't know. (laughs) It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, there's no coincidence that, you know, it all runs in the family. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Valiant Thor, you know, started assisting you. If you're involved in any sort of program like that, and you have abilities, you're catching the attention of, you know, a number of ETs probably and other military groups. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, they had their eye on you and decided to, you know, help you along your way. So along the way. Well, yeah, except that, uh, for positive for good yeah um and you know i i have memories of being trained and being able to find people and find missing people and find hostages even uh but also to harm people and and i don't want to do that i don't care what the consequences are I don't want to do that. I am here for a positive mission and to help raise consciousness of the planet. And that's the path that I decided to take. And I think that's why Thor stepped in and decided to help me with that and encourage me. And then now I help him. So, I mean, that's my job now is doing whatever I can to help raise consciousness of the planet. Yeah. And and that's beautiful. Uh, It's beautiful that you are able to make that conscious decision uh, because, you know, it's just like any ability, like it's all up to the practitioner, right? It can be used for good or bad. And that's where black magic comes from. Like, it's really just all how you utilize that tool and that ability. So 
yeah. I really uh, appreciate the fact that you're, you know, you've decided to help us all with this uh, amazing gift and you're doing the right thing. And, you know, congratulations on the Onyx network that I know, you know, Thor inspired you to create. So just keep up the good work. Well, I will as long as I'm here on the planet. Right. Well, you know, um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Margie. And thanks for, again, for, you know, sharing this story bravely for the first time publicly. We really appreciate that. And can you once again, please let our audience know how they can find you and where they can follow you? Well, my website is probably the easiest, margiek.com, M-A-R-G-I-E-K-A-Y.com. And my podcast is on the NX Network at nxnetwork.com. And, uh, you know, I also publish books. So I'm looking for people, looking for authors on paranormal, metaphysical, and consciousness subjects. That's what we focus on. And uh, it's called NX Media Publishing. That's great. So. And all the links will be below, as always. Um, but thank you again for joining us. And thank you all for being here. We love you all. And until next time, have a great evening. Good night. Thank you. Yo, what's up, everyone? How you guys doing today? You guys feeling those vibes? Yeah, you know what it is, so check it out. So May 13th to 16th, Grafton, Illinois, Rebels of Disclosure Conference. Yeah, I'm pumped. It's going to be my first time in the States, first time going to a conference, first time seeing any of these speakers live, and the first time I'm going to get to meet hundreds of people that I've been chatting with and interacting with on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm so pumped. I did just check. They have the website up and running. It's looking really fresh. It has all the information on tickets, meal plans, uh, the schedule when the speakers are going to be speaking, um, information on all the speakers, frequently asked questions, and um, uh, where you can camp or uh, your lodgings for the weekend, as well information on where the event's going to be at, and it looks dope. I do believe that this is going to be the best year yet. Um, I may be biased because I'm going this year, but uh, this is what I'm vibing. But yet, if you haven't checked out the website, go check it out. It's looking really good. I'm super excited, man. I've been following Tyler and Aaron for a long time. I really love their podcast and all the people they bring on. And the lineup this year looks so sick. So, and if you're going, I'm super excited to meet you. I'm going to give you a big hug. A big star seed squeeze, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, you guys, I hope you guys have an amazing day today. Send you guys lots of love. And, man, I can't wait for this conference. Big ups, Aaron and Tyler. And, yeah, guys, have a great day. Peace.